Hi, this is Jay Baer of Convince and Convert Consulting, and welcome to the new Content Experience Show. Content Experience is the new content marketing. It's not only about reaching audiences where they are, but engaging them with personalized, useful content that matters. On the Content Experience Show, we share strategies, tips, and real-world examples of how leaders are taking their content marketing to the next level. Now, here's your hosts, Randy Frisch from Uberflip and Anna Harak from Convince and Convert Consulting. Welcome to Connex. I'm Randy Frisch. Anna is with me. And as always, we don't want to waste your time. So we're going to tell you what to expect in this week's episode. And we had John Collins join us from Intercom. And I, as I told you, I'm kind of like, and I mentioned this embarrassingly, I'm like an Intercom fanboy. It's like cool company, cool product. And John is super cool. Yeah, I know. I think um, if if you had it your way, it would have been just Randy and John fanboying out over Intercom for about like 35 minutes. But thankfully, that wasn't the case. Yeah, and, and he was in San Francisco and I was in San Francisco yesterday. We could have done that. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. And, and when you hear John talk, you realize he's not normally in San Francisco because he's got this awesome, you know, Dublin-based uh, accent going there. It is. Yeah. It's very nice to listen to. Um, but no, John was awesome. Honestly, I was starting to fangirl out over here. Um, and just, you know, obviously intercom is amazing to begin with, but then to hear what John and his team have accomplished, it's so my jam. I love it. It's, you know, about putting content first, quality content first, putting your audiences first, and then, you know, maybe sprinkling some in some SEO at the end. So which I know is not always people's preferred method, but I loved what they've been able to achieve with that approach. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and if you're going to listen to this podcast, and I encourage you to, to hear it all the way through, you know, one of the things John gets to that, that always troubles my team is how do we take on these bigger projects, right? I mean, we get stuck in the editorial calendar, and we know we want to have X number of blog posts a week, or, you know, different recaps of we send out and we have all these other requirements from our company to create content for them. But then how do we take on projects? And they've done so with some really great books. Uh, And I think one of my favorite parts is that those are some of the assets that they feel most proud of. You know, those are the things that they get, you know, fan pictures from guys like me, you know, reading it on a beach or something like that, as John said. Yeah, it's crazy how much content they're creating and not just how much content they're creating in terms of volume, but how much really excellent content they're creating. And they even talk about repurposing content. I mean, they are, they're doing it all and they're doing so well and they're seeing massive success with this. Yeah. The cool thing too, to me about Intercom and their audience, and they they have a very fun audience to write for is they're writing for business owners. They're writing for businesses that are trying to grow from the startup space. Um, and in fact, I mean, Intercom's been one of the sponsors of this podcast because they're trying to connect with the business owners who listen to this, the marketers who are trying to grow their businesses. And if you haven't tried Intercom before, it's, it's a great platform. We've used it here at Uberflip. Um, you know, it, it basically helps with business messaging. So if you want to find the best leads that are coming to your site and boost them to the top of your funnel, increasing efficiency and growing your business, that's where Intercom comes into play. Uh, the solution that we've used before is their messenger. It's called Intercom Messenger. And it's a customizable, it's completely customizable rather to match your brand. So really feels aligned as people come onto your site, they get this, you know, ability to engage with visitors in this interactive way with content, whole bunch of other functionalities built into intercom, including their chatbot that qualifies and writes people to the best lead. So now all this said, 
they, you know, that's not what we're going to talk about today. I don't think even once, Anna, did we talk about their product. Uh, we really talked about how they connect with their audiences. And that's why, you know, to me, Intercom is such a cool company. It is, yeah. And if anybody wants to go check out some content while they listen to this episode, it's intercom.com slash blog. Um, that's a huge hub, but they also have a podcast. Um, they Again, they just have a ton of amazing content. And yeah, we didn't talk about their product once, but um, I think it becomes evidently clear just sort of how they're helping to really help their customers without being salesmen. It's really amazing how they've approached content, but still managed to meet their goals. Absolutely. So I, I, without us ruining the whole episode, why don't we roll it in? I believe this week was you introducing John. Hey, John, thank you so much for joining us today. It's really great to have you here. Thank you for asking me to be on the show. Yes. So let's go ahead and get to know John a little bit. Would you mind telling everybody just a little bit about yourself? Okay. Uh, I'm John Collins. I am director of content at Intercom, which means I run the content team who produce uh, our blog, Inside Intercom. We also put out our own podcast, uh, which is also called Inside Intercom, every Thursday. And uh, we also do all our gated content, which are things like books, uh, guides, starter kits, uh, sort of, uh, we also call them kind of our our long reads. Uh, And at the moment, then, we also handle a social strategy for for Intercom. So it's quite a a broad church. and so we have a quite a, quite a big team split between uh, San Francisco and Dublin. There's actually uh, there's actually nine of us at the moment. Um, so and yeah, it's been like I think uh, content's been a really successful uh, tool for driving leads for business. Or, sorry, uh, driving driving leads for our intercoms business. And I think probably you know we, we we've quite a strong reputation for for content because I think we've we've generally kind of focused on the quality of what we're creating and sort of really trying to create something that we we as peers of our audience would want to read ourselves. So that I think is really interesting the approach that you've taken because you guys have actually really developed a strong reputation for producing highly opinionated content. And I want to jump right into it because you created this fantastic post about why you're actually dropping the term content marketing. Can you talk to us a little bit about sort of how you came to that and why you actually dropped the term content marketing? I think really uh, content marketing in the last few years, you know, seven, eight years ago had like great potential. People really felt, you know, it was going to be you know, such a, 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 an amazing tactic for businesses. Uh, but pretty rapidly, I think it got you know, it, it, a law of diminishing returns. And it seems like there's almost a bigger industry around content marketing than actually people, you know, who, who use content marketing to, to, to work in other sectors or to benefit their business in, in other sectors. And, and that's because I think it's got, you know, I think it's become very playbook uh, orientated. Um, people are not, they're worrying more about the marketing than the content. Uh, and in many ways, it's, 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 it's not about content at all anymore. Um, and I think our approach very much was, if we create something that people really want to read or listen to, listen to or watch, it's we don't have to do as much promotion. We don't have to do as much marketing. Where you know, there's not almost this kind of slightly spammy connotation of like fooling people to come to your to your site. Um, I give it one example. I think of the way we think about uh, in relation to say SEO that we we don't. We're not driven by SEO. So, you know, obviously we will look at like where opportunities lie in terms of uh, keywords, et cetera. But we still will make sure that the article we're creating 
is something that, that that we believe people in our target segments and our target markets will will genuinely want to read. And then we apply SEO, I think, much closer to the publication time than a, than a lot of you know sort of traditional content marketing organizations w- would do. And I think that means that then when you do read the content, you know, sometimes I think very SEO driven uh, content can just it feels unsatisfying. It f- feels a bit like a, a, you know a McDonald's Happy Meal because you've kind of like, you know it's. You, You've clicked through with such hope and then, you know, it's just not quite what you're looking for or it's just not quite the depth of, of, of content you, you were expecting. Um, and so, as I say, we, we very much think about like content first, then marketing. Um, I do think some people misunderstood me when I wrote that post and kind of felt it was almost a, a slightly kind of naive approach. And we were saying that, you know, oh, if we build, if we build it, they will come. Uh, absolutely not. I mean, my team engage in all the things that we do to grow our audience and that, that, that any other team would do. But we, we really do focus on the content first. So I, first of all, I, I really like the piece, John. And, uh, you know, I, I've been down that road of writing a piece that people, you know, take a first glance at. Uh, you know, you and I actually both took a stab at content marketing, myself more recently, and and sometimes we have to explain what we mean there. Um, I like your focus on the importance of what we're writing versus just the mentality that, okay, it's ready for the next, you know, it's time for the next post or, you know, how are we going to bring in enough leads with this next, next aspect? I guess the, the part that, you know, where you and I took different approaches was I actually felt that people aren't focusing enough on the marketing right now. The part that I want to dig closer on you on though is, you know, what are some of the things that people can do to put content quality first? And, and I'm, I'm curious as you talk about that and, and talk about your, the history of how you got here. I mean, you came from a more traditional editor role, um, you know, from, from journalism space where, you know, quality was key. I mean, if you didn't have quality, people aren't going to follow. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, for us, it's it's very. We're taking a lot of stuff from, say, the publishing industry or the newspaper industry or just traditional industries where they 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 have, you know, uh, things like editorial calendars. They have, you know, uh, approval sign off processes. Just make sure, you know, they have different types of editing they do, you know, at, at different stages. Uh, and these are all things that just sort of second second nature to to me and my team. Uh, I don't think they're they're hugely hugely revolutionary in many ways. I think what is uh, different is that we are applying them to, 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 to content marketing effectively. Um, and I think that's, that's, you just, yeah, that's very simple sort of like, uh, editorial processes really make, make, make all the difference. Um, people often say, you know, they want to do content marketing. Um, and then say, so how are you going to, how are you going to do it? Uh, uh, and they're like, well, we've got an intern or, Hey, I'm going to get some freelancers. And it's like, yeah, I mean, it's like you're saying this is a really core tactic and it's really going to help grow your business. Like what other core tactic that's really going to help your business would you sort of like, or, you know, ask people to, to write posts at weekend or in their free time? I mean, when I joined Intercom, uh, it really struck me. A lot of people were like, you know, a Des Trader, our, our co-founder, was running the content program at that stage. And, you know, I think... Uh, even at that stage, you know, had, had, had really shown that the power of, of content and the, and the inside intercom blog to the business. Well, people would say like, yeah, I love, I love the stuff that intercom do, but how do they find the time to do it? And it's like, well, find the time in the same place they find to like do coding or to design the product or to do any of the other things to do. If you're going to, if you're going to do content as part of your marketing, I think you really just have to say, right, we're, we're going to resource this and we're going to invest in it. And for us, it made sense. 
after I'd come in and, and sort of, I think, you know, after an initial period, I'd shown that like a lot of the, the skills and processes uh, that, that, that I'd learned in the, in the editorial world could actually help us scale the model we had. Uh, so speaking to that scale, I mean, your, your team has obviously grown from, as you put it, the founder running content to, if, if I remember right, you've got eight people working in the content team alone. Is that correct? Can you maybe give us a breakdown of what that looks like to handle that, that calendar? We are, my team is actually split between San Francisco and Dublin. Uh, we Intercom have our two major offices are in San Francisco and Dublin, uh, and, and the reason for that is actually our whole model is based around uh, the subject matter experts. Um, you will rarely enough uh, see my byline on on the Inside Intercom blog or, or any of my team. If you do, we're generally writing about like marketing or, or things that we're subject matter experts on. Like no one really cares what I think about product management, or no one really cares what I think about customer support. What they do care about. You know, uh, you know, our director of customer support, what, what, you know, what he's learned on the job, or even some of our customer support reps. So our job is very much to to work with those people and try and figure out how we can get them on, onto the blog. Uh, some of the people we work with are amazing writers. We literally do a light copy edit. Other people are not good writers, but you know what? They have experience and they can talk you through what they've done. So we might interview them and transcribe them and, and, and write them up as posts. Some people we ghost write with. You know, we are constantly thinking about ways we can get more ideas out of people out of, around the company and actually get them on the blog. So, I mean, that's kind of like why we have a, we have a calendar. Uh, I know some people say, you know, content, content marketing should never have a calendar, really, you know, that you should be sort of like driven by other things. But we really have to kind of manage the, the flow of ideas and, and, uh, and articles we have. We're publishing like uh, every business day. So we do five posts a week. Um, so there's quite a, you know, and we, we have to make sure, obviously, we have posts in, in, in different stages of production at each um, each stage of production so that we have a good flow. Um, we also have our podcast, uh, which we're producing every week and turning that into a blog post as well. I'm a very big believer. Content is not cheap to create, but I'm a very big believer in trying to, you know, what content you do create to then try and repurpose it in, in different mediums. Uh, Again, though, I think sometimes content marketers can take that way, way too far. And, uh, you know, you see people sort of like really flogging uh, the, the same idea till you know, people are kind of kind of sick of it. Um, but yeah, that's kind of that's kind of broadly how, how we're organized between Dublin and San Francisco. We have like um, a couple. We've started introducing um, vertical specialists. So we have people on the team like who, who look at a particular area like sales and marketing is, is, was the first one we've introduced. Intercom has a product uh, that plays in the sales and marketing space. So we have a, like a specialist who, who really, like, really, really gets to know that vertical and really understands like who the influencers are, what the big conferences are, like what are the big issues for for sales and marketing people, like where are their pain points? And then we have some sort of horizontal specialists as well. So uh, Adam Reisman, who uh, you'll often hear in our podcast, he is the the, the, the podcast uh, producer effectively. And, you know, he, he'll then work with other people on the team when they need to host a podcast or, you know, need one of our execs or whoever needs to come on the podcast. Nice. This is, um, by the way, an amazing team structure. I love how you have both specialists and generalists and they all come together to create all of this magic um, that, I mean, that you guys create every single day. I definitely want to get more into this, but before we do, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. And then when we come back, we're going to talk more to, to John about his team and how they create such amazing content and how it all comes together. 
Intercom is the most comprehensive platform for business messaging. It automatically picks the best leads from your site traffic to boost your top of funnel, increase efficiency, and grow your business. The Intercom Messenger is customizable to match your brand and has a home screen that engages visitors with interactive content, a newsletter subscription button, lead capture, and more. And that's all before they even start a chat. Intercom's chatbot also qualifies and routes the best leads to your sales team automatically. So you can keep avoiding the VP of sales, or you could use Intercom. Start for free today at intercom.com growth. That's intercom.com growth. Hey friends, it's Jay Bear. Imagine experiencing all the awesome that is Connex, but live. Everything you love about this podcast, but for two days in three dimensions in a beautiful theater in Toronto this year. August, you're going to hear from the best speakers about content marketing at Connex, a truly intimate networking experience with 750 marketers. I'm the co-producer of this event organized by my friends at Uberflip, and we're going to bring together brilliant strategists and brand marketers from all over the industry in Toronto. It's August 20th through the 22nd. Every single session is a keynote. The speakers have been handpicked by me. They include Andrew Davis, Scott Stratton, Tamson Webster, Amy Landino, and leaders from DocuSign, 3M, Blue Wolf, Pardot, and more. Get your ticket today at connex.uberflip.com. That's connex.uberflip.com. Use the promo code podcast to save $50 off your ticket. I will see you in Toronto. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We are talking with John from Intercom. Now, John, before the break, we were talking about your amazing team structure and this fabulous mix of, you know, kind of content generalists and editors, and then also subject matter experts and um, people who are very specialized within different verticals. So you have a lot of people creating extremely high quality content. Now, I know at the beginning of the podcast, we kind of talked about how leading with search is definitely not the best way to go. So how do you and your team um, actually plan content? And how do you determine what gets made just in case, you know, anybody out there maybe is leading with search right now and is looking for a different way? So I think very much uh, we have a quarterly planning process uh, and we will literally get down to, you know, how many posts we're going to create in each category over the course of the quarter. Um, we also overlay that with, I think, like different types of posts. So for instance, yes, we're, we're part of marketing and we're, we're, we're totally focused on like sort of getting people to, to, to be aware of Intercom and then ultimately to consider Intercom for, for their problems. But we also... Uh, our, our blog is a really, really powerful recruitment tool. So we have to think about how we're going to help the company grow over the, over the course of the quarter as well. So we we overlay, um, you know, recruitment type articles or articles that we think will sort of like showcase Intercom as a place to work. Uh, but in terms of the actual categories that we will like pay attention to over the quarter, it's 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 like any other part of marketing. I mean, we 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 uh, get the the company goals for the quarter. We then figure out like how that's going to be uh, how how we're going to implement that in the blog. So, for instance, if we've got a, a new product or a new solution coming out, like how are we going to actually sort of like seed our thought leadership in that space? How are we going to support the actual launch? How are we going to like support the ongoing? Uh, sale of that product so you know uh, the team will sort of you know while the actual week to week is down to the uh to to uh davin and fiona who edit the, the blog between them in terms of what gets published each week i don't i don't get as involved with that but the actual quarterly you know there's going to be x amount of sales and marketing posts there's going to be x amount of customer support posts uh that's that's really how we we sort of like pull it all together on, on a quarterly basis so quick question for you john because 
everything you're saying makes perfect sense. Yeah, there's a lot of requirements that come into a content team to support the entire organization. And I like how you tie that editorial calendar to the goals and priorities in that quarter. But your team also takes on some very big projects. You know, I've, I've checked some of them out. I'm, I'm an intercom fanboy on the side. So, you know, I, I, not just for this podcast, you know, I'm a, I'm a follower. And, you know, even like you've, you guys have created like hardcover books even to help entrepreneurs get off to the races. So my question is, is how do you know what is going to be a priority on those ahead of time? And how do you fit that into the editorial calendar? Because I think that's the part that a lot of us, we, we push off those projects because we're stuck on the day-to-day, as you described. Yeah, well, I suppose we've actually done uh, seven books now. Um, and it's kind of, they kind of fall into to two categories. The, the biggest category you know, will be books like Intercom on Customer Engagement, Intercom on Customer Support. And, you know, we do those books because we actually have products in that space or that solve that problem that people are, are trying to address. So, you know, and I think the way we also have quite a quite a large product product education team who are like creating content to help, help people get more out of Intercom. So people are like kind of like, well, if, you know, they're doing that, like what's Intercom and Customer Engagement about? And we kind of say, well, it actually... It's about seeing the world through the lens of Intercom. So if you read that book, it'll be all about how you can use messaging to like drive much deeper engagement with your customers. But you know what? If you use one of our competitors' products, uh, you'll still get value out of that book. It's not so like laser focused on like you know uh, Intercom or like the actual UI or the actual you know settings you might use. But we will talk about like how you would effectively target customers and and so it's uh you know like what filters you would apply etc so it's, it's as i say it very much sees the world through through the lens of of intercom and our products the other kind of books we do though i think and this is i think why i, I really enjoy working in intercom and it's it's kind of you know for both myself and my team it's a pretty rewarding place to work is that you know sometimes we'll get we, we get that sort of permission to go you know what this is not necessarily tied to a goal or you know we just know this is a good thing to do and we think you should go and do it so for instance intercom on starting up we had written so much stuff in the early stages of of the company about sharing our own sort of startup journey and what people like uh, des and owen our ceo one of his other co-founders had learned along the way and you know those those posts were maybe some of them were like three four five years old um but you know lessons on how to price a product are still still pretty valid. Um, so what we did was we really took uh, maybe the five or six best posts we'd written on pricing, uh, boiled boiled that maybe like four or 5,000 words down to like, you know, the 1,000 words of like the really best advice and, and sort of wrapped around of it some, some, some sort of current commentary, some pictures from the early days of Intercom, you know, various bits and pieces like that. Put it in a hard uh, back book and it's it's been a phenomenal success for us just on, on, on a branding basis, but it's not it's definitely not like a core, you know, how many, how many products are we going to sell on, on, the, on the back of that? That's actually really fascinating. So uh, you brought up content repurposing earlier in the conversation. Um, and then again, you just talked about it. I think that's really actually something that most content creators and most um, content strategists really don't do enough of is really looking at this existing set of content that they've created. Um, maybe it's driving a lot of, you know, it's driving towards a lot of goals that they have. 
Um, how do you sort of really instill and make sure you're constantly repurposing content? Because this, I feel like, is something people really struggle with. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of the problem is sometimes people just think about like, okay, I've got this blog post, uh, or you know, I've got you know, I've got a really long read blog post, and I'm just gonna like chunk that up into smaller pieces that I might Facebook posts, or you know, I'm gonna chunk it up into you know, I'll get so many tweets out of it or what you know, like they just think of the same content in a different medium, and I think actually what you you really need to do is think about like how is it gonna work in that different medium. Uh, and how are you going to make it suit that different medium, or just being a little bit more creative about how to how to how to make it work harder? So, like as I, I used to say to people when we were working on Intercom and starting up, it's kind of like in many ways we're end of lifeing a lot of these these blog posts. Like, you know, they're still doing well for us; they still get a lot of search traffic. But you know, if we didn't put them in into the book last year, um, they were starting to get you know they would have started to get 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 dated. And it's like okay, now's the time to really think about like how how can we use this creatively. In, in another medium. I think it's really interesting with our own podcast. I don't know whether you guys have experienced this, but we transcribe every podcast and publishes it a blog post. Now we edit it obviously because, you know, just a straight dumb machine, you know, uh, transcription is, is not to anyone. It's, it's not a very plus I have a lot of ums and rights and things like that. And I'm terrible. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, so we do rework it for as, as a you know so that it, it reads as a blog post, and we put in images and pull quotes and all the other things that we put into a normal blog post. But it's really quite interesting sometimes that certain episodes will do absolutely you know almost better as a blog post than they will uh, you know as as a podcast. And it, to me, it just goes down to people want a choice of how to how to consume stuff. You know. People just some people want to want to listen to stuff. Some people want to want to read stuff. Some people want to watch stuff, and so just think about how you're serving those different needs or those different you know uh, th- those different audiences who who will be in different places. I was I, I have to say when we launched our podcast uh, uh, coming up for three years ago, I was not a huge podcast listener, um, so I maybe just wasn't as close to potential. But I've been I've been amazed at the at the, at the audiences for podcasts, uh, and of course there's so many good podcasts coming out now in the last in the last couple of years, and so many you know, both for work and for personal stuff. Yeah. And starting, starting up a podcast actually is far easier than most people think. We actually have, um, I believe right before your episode airs, we have someone come on, um, Joel Com and talk about how to spin up a podcast. But yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's a great way to reach people. And again, something that most, um, most content people don't necessarily gravitate towards, I think, cause it's not the written content, but it's just as valuable when it comes to content planning. Yeah. And I, I think you're saying unreasonable expectations though, for those who listen to that other podcast, not all of us get three million listeners in their first nine months. <laughs> I didn't say it was easy to have it blast off to start it. That was a wild episode. Yeah, absolutely. To to start a podcast is a lot less than what people think. Clarification. To start. True. True. Everyone assumed like, if you want to do content, it was going to have to be a, a, a blog. You know, a, four years ago when I joined Intercom, everyone was like, "Oh, yeah, we're going to do a blog," and actually. You know, if you're doing content now, there's so many options of like, you know, do a podcast. Why don't you do like, you know, a YouTube series or, you know, whatever that, you know, but I, I think actually, obviously a blog has a great advantage that it's your property and it's much easier to able to sort of convert visitors. Um, but if you're at that early stage and you're competing for attention and you're just trying to get eyeballs, um, I'm, I'm not convinced I'd start a blog if I was, if I went and, you know, if I joined a 50 person startup now. I, I, what would you start with? 
I, I definitely think the podcast would would be really interesting. I think depending on the the, the segment you're going after, uh, I think LinkedIn has has some great possibilities to to, to attract an audience, uh, particularly maybe like a more enterprise audience or a more sales focused audience. Um, it would really depend on what the product was, but I, I would certainly would think long and hard before I sort of spinned up a, a WordPress instance. Well, John, uh, maybe we'll, you'll give us one more tidbit before we go to some personal questions here, which is in the four years you've been there, we've talked about all these different formats. What's been the the asset that's given the most back to Intercom in your mind? I would say probably the, the uh, on starting a book. Uh, it felt like the most sort of uh, personal uh, kind of expression of anything we've put out there. Uh, and as I say, it's not necessarily as tied to like being about any of our uh, specific products or, 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 or solutions, but it just really, I think it really spoke to, to an audience, uh, particularly an audience that Intercom was kind of synonymous with in the early days. And I think people were just, you know, the, the feedback was amazing. We got like people tweeting pictures of themselves, reading it on the beach. Uh, it was, you know, uh, there was a real just like, wow, you know. That's cool. It's, it's, it's really well produced. And they're really just sharing like so much information that's useful to me, and that that feels feels good, you know. I mean, I, I left journalism. I worked in newspapers and things. Uh, worked on news desks, and you know, I certainly had some colleagues who were like, you know, kind of felt like I was selling out a little bit. You know, you're going going to work for for a corporation, even though it was a small startup at the time. But actually, it's that where you feel like you're actually helping people do their job better or be or be better themselves that I find is is the buzz that you know I think a lot of people say would journalists would get from working on on, on newspapers or in newsroom on wherever it might be uh, so for that yeah that, 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 that that's really positive no you know what I, I think I give credit to what you guys have done I think you've uh, very much humanize the intercom brand which is a really tough thing to do and to your point I mean a lot of times when we see brands, create a book they they're not able to get away with you know making the author the actual brand which which i commend you guys on doing and succeeding with because usually you have to put that founder behind the book or you know someone who's the thought leader out there but you know these books are by intercom but they're still relatable you know to us as as uh, you know the people interact with your brand on a day-to-day so now that we've gotten to know the intercom brand we're going to take a quick minute if you have time that john we're going to keep you around we're going to get to know you so, right back after this on Connex. All right, John. So, we've got only a couple minutes left here, and we're really going to hit you with some hard questions here, which is you said you have a team in San Francisco, and you said you have a team in Dublin. Now, I'm trying to find out which city do you now love better? Uh, I am born, uh, born, uh, not raised, but born in Dublin, uh, have lived the, the largest part of my adult life in Dublin. So I would actually be, uh, I'm in San Francisco right now talking to you, but uh, I don't think they'd allow me back into the country if I didn't say, uh, didn't say Dublin. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. So we're going for San Francisco, even pre-intercom, I was at, had a, a kind of a, a place in my heart. I've kind of been visiting here on and off for, ooh, since actually the nineties. Uh, so like, I'm aging myself there, but, uh, yeah, I love San Francisco as well. It's got its problems, like every big city, but uh, and every city that's gone through a lot of growth. But but I do love it. Nice. So so, what is your like? If you could tell someone the best place to go get food in Dublin, and then the best place to go get food when you're visiting in San Francisco, what what's top of your list? 
Well, at the top of my list, uh, Dublin at the moment is literally the night before I left. I had an amazing meal in a new restaurant called Clover Alley, right in the center of, of, of the city. Uh, an amazing tasting menu. It was a li- little bit on the, on the on the expensive side, but uh, yeah, Andy McFadden is this young uh, young Irish chef that just come back from London and established a really great spot in Dublin. So I definitely recommend Clover Alley. Uh, I love when I come to San Francisco. Uh, trying to get some some Asian food. Uh, Asian food uh, in Dublin is not great. So ter- okay. terracotta warrior, which I think is like is way out in outer sunset or somewhere. Uh, a couple of my team have brought me there once or twice. It's this uh, amazing. It's Chinese food from the pro- province besides Sichuan. So uh, I'm not 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 an expert, but it's just it is uh, next level. Unfortunately, the soundtrack. I think it's. It's a Taylor Swift album. I thought the guys were joking when they said, yeah, they just play the same Taylor Swift album over and over again. But Poor waiters and waitresses at, uh, at that establishment. Wow. Is it, is it weird that I kind of want to go now just to experience it? It's how can you what's what is the experience like? Are you just like, huh? Yeah. All right. That's the same Taylor Swift album again and again. Yeah, I think it's it's just kind of this like almost like a neighborhood restaurant. And it's the music isn't kind of loud enough. It kind of takes you a while to suddenly realize, oh. This is on loop. Well, listen, you're clearly staying long enough to eat, so the food must be good enough to realize it's on loop. So there's a good thing in there somewhere, right? Uh, Anyways, John, this has been really educating, really informing. As I said at one point in there, I'm an Intercom fanboy, so this has also been a a highlight episode for me. I really thank thank everyone for listening to John and his story at Intercom. If you want to learn more, John, where should people go to check out some of the Intercom content? Well, just intercom.com. slash blog find out everything uh, everything you need to know from there we, we put everything sort of through the blog uh, or follow us on Twitter uh, we, we, we're sharing our content all the time there you go thanks so much John on behalf of Anna Harak at Convince and Convert I'm Randy Frisch at Uberflip and this has been the Content Experience Show this is Jay Bear and thanks for listening to the Content Experience Show please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app Go to contentexperienceshow.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. That's contentexperienceshow.com. The Content Experience Show is sponsored by Convince and Convert Consulting and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, just go to convinceandconvert.com.